0: have the opportunity to speak to you today about cultural relevancy, and this is week three of the Vineyard series, and we've already heard from Pastor Dick last week, and we heard from um, Jeremy, Jeremy, I couldn't remember his first name, I was going to say Percy, I knew that was wrong, <laughs> and Jeremy Abbott the week before, with his family from New Zealand and how things are culturally relevant there. So today I'm going to speak to you on a little different topic, and I hope you'll bear with me as I go through and explain where my heart is at. What would you say if I told you that as a nation, as a people, we are abusing and neglecting our children. What if you knew that you had the greatest message in the universe and yet never let it be seen or heard by the very ones who most desperately needed to hear it? What if the mission field wasn't over there or anything like you thought, and this culturally relevant mission we needed to fulfill began today? Right here and right now. What if? Paul in Romans 15, verses 19 through 21, in the NIV version, said, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, Those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Now, I realize that Paul was an incredibly educated man, a man who had an encounter with Jesus that turned his life around totally. But folks, we've had that same experience. We were all going along through life when someone knocked us off our high horse, and Jesus became a reality we could no longer ignore or judge unfairly. We needed someone to tell us about him so that we would understand. We needed to know that Jesus was, is, and will forever be the answer. Maybe we've grown a little too smart for our own good. I know sometimes I think I have. I've started trying to figure out what the world needs to fix all of its problems. As we just heard from Phil Strout, the problems are very real today. But how should we be dealing with those problems of today? We should be offering people Jesus. He is the answer, and he is and always will be culturally relevant. I'm here to tell you that there are generations upon generations who have never heard about Jesus Christ as anything more than a swear word. There are many who have no idea that Easter was a day of resurrection and not just a day for the Easter bunny and chocolates. There are many in this country, in this area, who have never been inside a church, except maybe for a wedding or a funeral. Many who have never heard any of the gospel stories that we all know so well. Children, teenagers, and even young adults who are unaware that there is a God who so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son That whosoever believed in him should not perish, but would have eternal life. John 3.16. And I'm not talking about foreign countries. I'm talking about right here in the USA. In Laconia, in Belmont, in Bristol, in Tilton, in Franklin, in Meredith, and so on and so forth. Do you remember the days, and most of you probably will, when John 3.16 was seen at major games? Many of my students, ages 14 through 18, had no clue what that stood for. Some of them only knew it from the wrestling mania with John 3.16, and I had no idea what that meant. Many had no idea what a Bible was, except that they thought it was forbidden in the public schools. It's not, by the way. Oh, the enemy would like you to believe it is. And sad to say, many people believe that it is. But I assure you that the Bible is not a banned book. But the enemy has kept many ignorant of its contents and a generation of people have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that shock you? Does it surprise you? Are you thinking, no way, she can't be right? Well, let me share a few stories that will illuminate this for you. I hope by the time I'm done, you will see a culturally relevant mission field right here in your neighborhood, right here in this town, right here in your town, right here in New Hampshire, right here in the USA. Many of you know that I'm a public school teacher. I've been teaching since 1974, when I started out with college freshmen and taught at Westfield State University in Massachusetts. And I've continued teaching, changing over to high school kids in 1976. I've taught in Lawrence, Massachusetts, Pelham, New Hampshire, and for the last 34 years at Winnesquam Regional High School, in one capacity or another which encompasses students from Tilton, Northfield, and Sandbenton, and Winnesquam. Presently, I'm teaching fifth-year students in an alternative program from Winnesquam Regional High School, which is housed at the Methodist Church in Tilton. So it's called the School Across the Street. And every day, seniors who didn't quite have enough credits to graduate come across the street to the Methodist Church, walk through the sanctuary, and come out into my classroom, which is out behind the sanctuary in what's their library. And I've seen precious few public students who know anything about the Bible and little or nothing about Jesus. Now, some of you might say, well, my kids went to public schools, and they certainly did. And I agree, there are some. I'm not saying all. But there are certainly a lot that don't. And there are many reasons for this. You see, parents chose to take their kids out of the public schools, Those public schools were bad news sometimes. So the kids were taken out of the public schools by parents who thought, we'll put our kids in Christian schools, Catholic schools, private schools. And for various reasons, that's where these kids went. And that was fine. But most of those, or a lot of those, remaining in the public schools, have parents and grandparents who were jaded by religion. They've chosen not to bring their children up in any church, in any understanding of religion or Jesus or any basis of belief system that we know as Christianity. They've chosen to let their kids make their decisions about what to believe later on in life when they're older and more mature. Well, I'm here to tell you that they have been left behind. And if they're not at least told about the Bible, about Jesus, they grow up with a void in their lives a giant void that they are attempting to fill with all sorts of dangerous things. You're wondering why so many people are involved in drugs, in alcohol, in promiscuous sexual relationships, in sex trafficking, in porn, in gaming into the the dangerous realms where they're into a fantasy world that doesn't even look like our world. Those things can be dangerous when there's a void that you're trying to fill and you have no idea how to fill it. These kids need to know about Jesus. Many of my students know a lot about drugs. They know a lot about ISIS. And sadly, more of them know a lot about the Islamic faith more than they know about Christianity because it's on the news more often. Let me share a few anecdotes with you in case you think I'm still off the wall. The Laconia Citizen put an article in the paper when Winnesquam Regional High School had started a football team, a football program a few years ago, and we didn't have one prior to that. They stated that there was an upcoming game that would be a David versus Goliath game as Winnisquam Regional High School was about to face a larger, more powerful, more experienced team. One of my students came running into me with a newspaper, a puzzled football player, and he said, "Miss Blinn, we don't have anyone on our team named David, and who the heck would name their kid Goliath? <laughs> he had no idea of that biblical story. That same paper during a rainy period suggested that we should start building an ark, as it seemed like we were in for 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Blank stairs. No concept of the flood, Noah, or the ark. Upsetting? Mm-hmm. But disastrous? Not really. But here's where it gets worse. Over the years, I've been challenged every year by students because I used to keep a Bible on my desk when I taught at the high school. When I would lift it up to explain a passage in literature, they would say, Hey, you can't teach from that book. It's not allowed. It's illegal. And a bunch of them would go, ar, You know, you ain't supposed to do that. It's against the law. It's wrong. You can't do that, Ms. Blin. That's that's against the law. You can't do that. And I would have to explain that it wasn't. When did it become the understanding of so many students that the Bible was illegal in the U.S.A.? Maybe some of you believe, or believe, that it wasn't allowed in the public schools too. It is not illegal. You see, culturally, we have allowed this belief to remain unchallenged. Do you think there might be some relevancy, some connection with how the USA has gotten to where we are today, and the fact that many have never heard, for God so loved the world? I do. I think there's a big, big correlation. Over the years, I've asked my students what they'll be doing over Easter or Christmas. Most respond with some form of eat, drink, and be merry. Few ever mention that they will be attending church, praising God, or celebrating the reality of what we celebrate. Why is that? Why is it that students walking through the sanctuary of the Methodist Church and heading into my classroom was startled to see a cross laying down on the altar on Good Friday. And when they came into my room, they said, "Miss Flynn, what happened to the cross? How come it fell? It's on, it's on the pulpit there. It fell on the altar. They had no concept. They honestly had never heard of the story of what took place on Good Friday. Nothing. We went over it. I explained it. I told them about it. They had no concept of what that meant. They had never heard of what the story of Good Friday was all about of a God, a Christ, who sat on a cross, lay on a cross, hung on a cross, and did that for our sins. Gone. Nothing there for that. They honestly had never heard anything about Jesus being raised from the dead. That was a blank. When they walked in on Easter Sunday, Easter, Easter Sunday, they had this ceremony in the church, and they leave parts of it around. They didn't clean all up everything. and So the kids came in, walked through, and they saw things saying, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, the tomb is empty. He is risen. So they came walking into my room, and they said, Ms. Flynn, what's this about? Who's risen? You know, what does that mean, the tomb is empty? You know, what happened over here? Something happened at the cemetery next door or something? What's going on? And I had the pleasure of explaining to them the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And five young men, now these young men are 18 through 20 because they haven't graduated from high school. They're short a few credits. They sat stunned as I explained to them that Jesus, having died on a cross and been proven dead by a spear that someone thrust through his side and blood and water ran out so they knew he was dead, was buried in a tomb, that that tomb was sealed by this huge rock and it was guarded by soldiers to keep anyone from stealing his body. And then three days later, that tomb was empty and that man, Jesus Christ, who had died and been buried, was seen by living people, by Mary, by Simon, Peter, and John, and the other disciples, and then by Thomas, who thought the other guys were nuts when they told them Jesus had shown up through locked doors in a body they could touch. They sat there like they were hearing the most amazing thing they'd ever heard in their lives. And let's face it, it is the most amazing thing anyone could hear. These kids love to fish. So I kept the story going on, and I said, you know, I said, Jesus showed up on the shore where some of these men were out in the boat fishing. And they'd been out all night fishing. They hadn't caught a thing. And they were totally interested in what was going on. And I said, so Jesus yells out from the shore, guys, throw your net on the other side. So they did. And they had so many fish that they had to call other boats to come over and help them to get the, boat, get the fish in. And my kids were, like, looking at me like, are you serious? And one of the kids says, yeah, but... How did he know where the fish were going to be? And one of my other students said, He was God, man. He knew where the fish were. And the other kid said, Oh, yeah. And I was blessed because I hadn't said that to them. The Holy Spirit did. And it became culturally relevant to the boys because they talked about fishing and because that was a story they knew. You see, we have to be willing to listen to these kids, but we have to speak to them And we have to let God speak to them through us and through teachable moments. At this point in time, when parents have decided that they shouldn't force religion down kids' throats, and a lot of folks have decided that when the kids were older, they could decide for themselves what they believed or if they believed anything, a huge mission field opened up to us, the church. There are so many people who just don't know. They have never heard, and they are restless, they are searching, they are empty, and they are seeking to fill that God-shaped vacuum in their lives with something, with someone. If we don't share the gospel with them, if we don't tell them about a God who so loves them that he sent his only son to save them, they will be eternally damned. So back to my original statement. What if I told you that as a nation, as a people, we are abusing and neglecting our children? What if you knew that you had the greatest message in the universe and yet never let it be seen or heard by the very ones who most desperately needed to hear it? What if the mission field wasn't over there or anything like you thought, and the culturally relevant mission we needed to fulfill began today, what if? We need to start by asking God to forgive us for allowing this to happen. We need to start praying for our nation, for our schools, for our children, for parents. We need to start listening to the people all around us who are searching for answers. Answer their questions. Be aware that the only real answer is Jesus and not a program. This isn't simplistic. It's not naive. It's the truth. Be respectful of their lack of knowledge. They have never been told. Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say I am? Let's ask people. Let's respectfully listen to what they think, and then let's fill in the blanks. Let's explain the part of the story they've never heard and may never hear, unless we speak it to them. We don't have to shove anything down their throat. We are not being insensitive. We are not being simplistic. We are not being anything except who we need to be. This may sound very simplistic, but the bottom line is, Jesus is the answer for the world today. We know it. We believe it. They don't know. They've never heard and this is a culturally relevant mission. Amen? Amen. Mm-hmm. I'd like to invite people, if this has impacted you in some way and you're thinking, wow, I really would like to receive some prayer about this, to, to listen to what people are saying and be able to speak to them. There's no condemnation in Christ. This wasn't meant to be condemning. It's meant to be eye-opening. And I believe that Father God wants to touch people here today and just enable you to come to a place where you're able to hear an opening and not be afraid to step in because you have the answer to what the world needs today, and it's Jesus. I'd invite you, those who'd like, to come up for prayer. If some of the prayer team will come up and pray with people, that would be great. And then um, for those of you who aren't, um, I just want to thank you for coming today. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus Christ and encourage you to be open to those around you, to speak the word they need, Jesus. Amen.